Welcome to the dark forest Jackie and her pals will never bore us Shameless confessions about our obsessions Will make us laugh and smile So let's explore the dark forest And dork down for a Hi, Jackie Cation here. You're listening to The Dork Forest. You know the websites, dorkforest.com, thedorkforest.com. If you like a determiner, jackiecation.com has everything. Both of my podcasts, all of the stand-up stuff, the new album, links to YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, all the things. But so I think does dorkforest.com, where you can look at old videos of different shows. Anyway, if you want to support the show, tell people about the show, review it on iTunes, thumbs it up on Pandora or Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. I appreciate that. You can donate. You can donate monthly. PayPal lets you do that. You can also do my Venmo if you like. It's at Jackie Cation absolutely everywhere. And my email address is Jackie at JackieCation.com. And that's what the PayPal is. The PayPal link is on JackieCation.com and DorkForest.com. And go to any of them. Thanks for listening. There's merch. There's stand-up. There's tour guide. You know, you can find out where I'm touring. This is getting long. So let's get into the show. Oh my gosh, it's me, Jackie Cation, in my garage. Very exciting. Now with Ramin Nazer. Welcome to the program, Ramin Nazer. Thanks so much for having me. We will, we're in the dork forest. We'll never dork, bore dork, us. Dork, 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 dork. We All will, the yeah, rangers. Hello. Hello, rangers. Hello, rangers. Yay. Hello. And um, Ramin Nazer is uh, R A M I N N A Z E R, and that's his Instagram. And then you have um, a podcast. And the the handle is Mind Under Pod. But what is the podcast? It's called Mind Under Matter. It's me and Shane Moss, another comedian. He does oh, a science right. podcast. He's been called on the Here show. Here we are. Yeah. Oh, excellent. Yeah, he's uh, the reason we're here today. He he likes to set people up. For <laughs> he's things. a helper, Shane Moss. He is. So that, he's a collaborator. That man would like to collaborate. So Mind Under. What do you guys talk about? So he comes from a science-minded thing, like he's more empirical, skeptic, like it's all just uh, spin charge and angular momentum. There's no magic. All magic can be explained, that sort of thing. Okay. I like to entertain the mystic more in that, like, no, we, how could we possibly have a full view of reality? How could we possibly condense it to a beaker and microscope? So we kind of uh, discuss different things every week, whether it's, you know, the sub-selves or talk about out-group bias or... Wow, these um, are all I words. Mean, you guys, you yeah. <laughs> are talking about some real issues that I don't know anything about. But speaking of which, um, everyone, by the way, Rangers, if you understood any of those sentences and they sound interesting, go listen to Mind Under Pod or follow Mind Un- at Mind Under Pod on all the things and find their podcast for... Uh, Shane Moss is a delight, and I'm about to find out that Ramina's a delight. Because uh, you like... I mean, if. If. If and when and how. I insist that you be delightful. Here it begins. Your dorkdom. The funk bass? The bass that w- some people use to play funk? Yeah. Uh, I was going to say slap bass. What is I don't know why I didn't choose slap bass. I think that occurred to me later. But originally, I, I wrote you saying funk bass, and then you wrote back... What is funk bass? Is it uh, the style? Is it the way they play? Are we talking about the history of what is this thing? How are you defining it? Right. And, you know, Prince said, you know, if you can define it, it ain't funky. Oh. So you can't really define funk. So I was like, I should just pick the bass guitar. I should do that. No one's picked that yet. <laughs> it is a very, uh, it, it's a dorky world. It's a lesser 
world. Oh, right, right, because it's not usually the front man who plays the bass, right? It's not usually the, the, the lead singer kind of person who plays the bass. It's usually part of the team that is a band. Yeah. I think of a band as a team and um, the bass player as the catcher. You're going to need them. You're going to need her. You're going to need them. You're going to need yes. that person. But by gum, uh, nobody cares who that person is. They're not. Unless they're- you're doing it wrong, in which everyone knows when they're doing it wrong, but. It's kind of like sound, you know, how sound people talk about like sound in movies and shows and stuff. You don't notice it when it's good. You don't say, oh, that last Star Wars show had great sound production. But right. if it sucks, you notice it. True. That's the same with the bass or with drums. You, okay. you notice it when it's bad. When it's done when... poorly. Are you a mu- musician, Ramin? I am. That's where I, that was my first thing, I guess. I, I started in violin, then became a guitarist, and then ultimately became a bassist. I still do all those, okay. but then it became comedy, and now it's more of the art thing. I still do comedy, I still do music, but in terms of what I have to put on the little IRS thing, the art thing is right. more of what I do. It's a larger umbrella. It's just you're a, you're a multifaceted art guy is what's happening there. So you started with the violin, and then were you in, like, the jazz band in high school? I was in orchestra. We didn't have a jazz band until the later years. And then at that point, there's only, like, five slots for it. And I wasn't into jazz yet. Okay. I didn't have that patience. Oh, sure. I still don't. But the, I have done several episodes about jazz where I, I often leave knowing a little <laughs> bit more about jazz and wanting to get into it and then never getting into it. Uh, Who have been recommended? Who are some names that you remember being recommended and then never doing oh, it? Oh, the, the jazz musicians? Oh, yeah. oh, I got nothing. I, I, I have admitted this before. I once saw Miles Davis perform by accident. Uh, How? There was no justice there. There's no peace. There's no justice in the fact that I have seen Miles Davis and people who cared have not. Uh, I was in Provincetown, Massachusetts. He was playing a town hall. A friend of mine had an extra ticket. Her friend bailed. And she said, do you want to go? And I said, what is it? And she said, it's trumpet. And I said, oh, I like trumpet. Uh, I like marching band trumpet. I like (laughs) big band trumpet. And it turns out I like Miles Davis because watching someone at that level is just different, right? So it was, I I thoroughly enjoyed it, but it was, yeah, it was by accident for sure. That's the lesson, isn't it? That no matter what it is, even if you're a sock maker or an accordionist or something, if you're the very best of that thing, then... It's compelling. Oh, I'll go see that. It's kind of like when you you said you saw Stephen Wright, the Boston one-liner guy, and you're like, I want to see what 45 minutes of... Of one-liners is because this is the one-liner guy. I'm yeah. not a, a like consumer of one-liners, but I'm going to go see the person. Yeah, and, it and there's always that for anyone. Yeah, and but it was all entertaining because he, he essentially the one-liners, like you know, he famously wrote that joke. It's a small world, but I wouldn't want to paint it. Mm-hmm. Um, you you think to yourself, well, is it going to be that for 45 minutes? And it is not. But that kind of that that incredibly short nugget in tight awesome joke is mixed in with sort of longer bits and you're like oh this guy should be on like wendy lieben you're like this this person should be on television doing late night sets every night because they have five minutes every 365 versions 
of, of one line. But they're yeah. but they're doing unproductive stuff that we don't know about. Or having the time, the time of their lives, I bet. Hopefully. Uh, hopefully. Yeah. So so you clearly like the use of bass guitar in a funk setting. Yes. I think it's one of the most important vibes there is. I think it calms the mind chatter for me specifically. And I think more people are into it than they than they realize. If they were to be subjected to it, subjected sounds like a bad word. That always sounds <laughs> abusive. If they were to be introduced, welcomed into it live. And so much of music now, although we have uh, more access to it, we've got our Spotify and Tidal and Apple Music and you know, no one's seen a CD since, uh, you know, 1987. You can still get my new CD and DVD at JackieCation.com. Staycation. Come get it. Okay. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. And don't forget to uh, get We'll Never Be Bread. And don't forget to also get... Um, <laughs> yeah, they're also not playing those on Spotify anymore or Pandora. So knock yourself out. Yeah. Why not? What uh, happened? There was, there's some sort of lawsuit happening where they're trying... Somebody asked Spotify and Pandora and I think SiriusXM to treat stand-up comedy as if it were a song... And thus pay the person who wrote the joke as well as the person who performed the joke. So two checks. Oh, that's fun. Right. right. Wouldn't that be amazing? And Spotify said, yeah, we're not going to we're not going to uh, do that. And so we're going to just take stand up off of Spotify. They took all of it off. Almost all of it. They have and then they some gave up. Rogan an extra 10 million. Right, or right. Something. Exactly. There we had a, this laying around. We just had this money just sitting around so uh so you can still stream and listen to all of my albums on amazon and apple itunes apple music so because they sell the full albums digitally and title yeah so you can listen i'm the only person with title in the whole world what is title it's i think jay-z started it the only oh, reason i have one? it is because i was a big prince fan still am but he was not um, going to put his music online, but then cut a deal with Jay-Z because Jay-Z had, you know, a plan for it. We're going to pay artists more. We're going to show the credits, this kind of thing. And then, um, yeah, so he ended up putting his new albums only on title. So I was like, I'll sign up for a title trial. And then here we are, how many la years, years later, later? Seven years later. Because I don't cancel stuff. No, nobody Too does. much work. Are you kidding me? We still have things we're not looking at. I still get DVDs from Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> But the uh, yeah, Babette's feast. It's sitting on top of my I, on top of my tuner. Anyway, so uh, we have a tuner hooked up to the TV. Okay, so the bass guitar is it got more strings? I feel like it's using a less less strings. It's got less strings. It's got four strings. It's an octave lower than what a guitar is. So the guitar has the E A D G B and then the high E. Yep. And then the bass has the E A D G. That's it. And you might think that's lesser, but it's not lesser. There's still infinite uh, moves within there. Because you, you can, it's, it's, how to, it's how you can use those four. Because do you think it creates more inventiveness because there's only four? Yeah, it creates more inventiveness. Plus the, the players I like a lot, you find that they ended up being bassists out of necessity. No one grew up wanting to, <laughs> I want that one. They wanted to do something else. Stuff happened, and then there they are holding it, whether it's you know Paul McCartney, Larry Graham, Jocko Pastorius, all these that, guys. Like That's how I started bass to. clarinet. They didn't have a bass clarinet in, the, in my band. So they were like, we'll, we'll give you a free bass clarinet. 
Oh, nice. Those look cool and they sound so unique. Right. They sound very unique, but you spend a good portion of your time going one, two, three, four, two, two, three, (laughs) four, 12, two, three, four, dot, 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 one, two, three, four, two, two. Anyway, so, but the, uh, the, so who are your favorite bass players? So I've I've uh, I sent you a list that I like. I don't think I'm gonna hit all of them, but can't, can't and I'm I'm gonna miss I'm gonna miss lots of people, and I'm sure some people are gonna be like, "Well, what about how could you not say right. this?" And that's great. Write it in the comments. Give this podcast five stars. That's it. Write a review. Subscribe. Notification bell. Send money to the Venmo. <laughs> take out a new credit card. Send some more money. Support the door <laughs> for us. But I wanted to start with one in particular that. Um, cause I, I wanted to talk about slap bass a lot. Cause I feel like slap bass is seen as this annoying macho kind of thing, or they think of Seinfeld, like, Oh, the Seinfeld song. That's all you got. Oh, slap the bass. Okay. Yeah. I, <clears throat> I could even, do you know the theme song to Barney Miller? I, maybe I do, because, but not off the well, label. Well, no. when you, when you get off, when we get offline, you should go because it has a bass and I don't know if that's slap bass. What makes it, are, is it, are you actually hitting the guitar? Yeah, you're hitting it, and Larry Graham, who invented it, okay. which this is this is very fascinating because with all other techniques like you know Eddie Van Halen with tapping or um, Jimi Hendrix's uh, use of the tremolo, all these things like when you're looking back through music history, they're like, well, punk rock was invented by you know it's sort of the Ramones, sort of sex, sort of like it's very blurry. And slap bass is like this one thing where you look anywhere, you go like, oh, yeah, slap bass was invented by Larry Graham in 1972. Wow. Like, it's a distinct invention story out of necessity because he was in a band with his mom, and it was just him, his mom, (laughs) and this old organ, and the old organ broke down, and he was using the organ pedals to hold down the low end, Larry Graham was, and then the drummer left, so there was no rhythm section so he's just left there with this bass and then he decided like what if i can make like kind of a bass drum sound by by plucking it yeah. okay that sounds all right what if i what if i had slapped it here and then plucked that so it would, it would recreate a bass hi-hat sort of dynamic and he called it thumping and plucking <laughs> and then it became slap bass later but um but he in uh, 1972 larry graham invented slap bass what was yes. the name of the band that him and his mother were in do you remember I don't remember the one him and his mother were in, but he played with Sly and the Family Stone. Are you familiar? I with am Sly? mostly because Sly, uh, Sly Stone. Yes. There we go. Was on the Dick Cavett show, and I am a nerd, and I watched that interview. And go on YouTube and watch Sly Stone on Dick Cavett because he's usually sitting next to some right wing uh, pol- pol- politician, and Sly Stone is clearly stoned, probably. Uh, drunk, possibly, just sitting there and just staring at him, just just smiling and shaking his head. It's literally, and then he'll <laughs> lean in and say something, and you're like, oh, he's paying attention. And then he'll <laughs> lean back and then just smile, <laughs> shake his head. I love Sly Stone. So. Yeah, it's a shame that uh, he kind of fell apart, but luckily got some of his royalties back recently. Oh, good. But was living in a van for, I think, a decade. Oof. 
That is un- unfortunate. So Larry he's Graham. He's one of those sad stories of, uh, you know, you're, that's him. That's, that's him with the white hat. Larry Graham has a white the, hat. The white, when you, white base, dressed in all white, Graham Central Station. Graham Central St- Ladies and gentlemen, we could just end the dork forest right here, because that is the dorkiest, most awesome name. Uh, <laughs> so he invented the slap base and, um, and then played with Sly and the Family Stone. Yes. I love I love their music. Their music has that vibe, has that sort of where you're like, you know all the songs, but you don't know why you. I mean, I know all the songs because I've been to gas stations and grocery stores, and <laughs> and I've had AM FM radio on the entirety of the seventies when I was a child. Um, yeah, I have you seen Summer of Love, that Questlove documentary? No, is it really good? So. Yeah, it won an Oscar. It's a lot of fun. It's it's um, you know about the Harlem Music Festival, and it's going on at the same time as the you know the moon landing. It's like showing that contrast of like sure uh, you know the uh, war in the streets, Whitey's on the moon, but above Whitey's on the moon, that kind of okay thing. But more about how cool the festival is, not so much about how uh, we're suffering and there's landing on the moon. That was just one point of it. The moon but- landing is when this comes out, July twentieth. 2022 is when this particular episode will drop and I was born. That's right. Uh, You were born on the moon landing? Yeah, one small step for uh, Jackie is what they said. I don't know if you remember (laughs) that. Actually, is it the moon landing? No, this will come out the 19th and then the moon landing was the 20th. Moon landing Eve. That's when they're like, (laughs) that's when they're at their most nervous. They're like, oh, is this thing going to blow up? Will I get to go off first? Will I even get to step? But but there's a Harlem music festival happening probably on the 19th as well. Yeah. So. And and on that documentary, um, Sly Stone is playing amongst many other people, Stevie Wonder and um, uh, I forget now at this point. I'm in podcast mode and there's you can't have dead air on podcast. You can't be or like, was it 72 <laughs> or 73? Should you listen to this or something right. else? If there were editing, if there was any sort of po- <laughs> But that's not why we listen to podcasts. We listen for the blurt and um, in the hopes. Yeah, we want the parasocial relationship. That's what we do it for. That's it. What? Yeah. Um, so, so what? So he invents it in 72. Does it sort of take off? It it does after, I think, um, after Sly and the Family Stone has gotten really big, much like with, um, you know, Hendrix's style of playing or Eddie Van Halen's style of playing. Like once you have a, a paradigm shift, it starts to get copied and built upon, not just like, oh, straight up copying and it's bad. Like people add more to it. They make uh, additional techniques. It gets annoying, like 80% of it is annoying oh, because really? they're missing the, the soul part of it. They're missing that you have to stay within the groove. Like uh, Victor Wooten says, never lose the groove to find the note, which is a good life lesson too. Like we're always trying to find Who's that. Who's Victor Groot? Victor Groot. I love Victor Groot, but it's Victor Wooten. <laughs> I want but, it to be uh, Groot. Uh, how do you spell his last name? Uh, W-O-O-T. E-N. Okay, so Victor Wooten. So he's like two two generations, I would say, after Larry Graham. That's what slap bass kind of becomes, plus other styles in the, the 90s. He's at the height of uh, early internet sharing videos. I remember me and my other orchestra band friends would share videos of him that you couldn't get streaming. There was no YouTube, but you would get it off of like FTP sites. Okay, or, file or transfer. Or share zip yeah. files. Yes. So things like that, and you know the bass battles. That where that's where it kind of gets uh, a little macho and annoying. But 
It's not with these characters, not with the innovators, only with the copiers okay. that it gets interviewing. But I wanted to say one more thing about Larry Graham before we moved on to anyone else. Did you know that Larry Graham is the reason that Prince became a Jehovah's Witness? No. And it was after 10 years of, it was an ongoing conversation for 10 years. So it wasn't just like sitting down with a pamphlet. I love that it's this long arc. Oh. Where Prince eventually concludes, like this is this is the truth, right? And the, they that go is to people's the longest houses. Pitch in the world, that guy yeah. just kept working them, just going. Well, you don't know. I mean, I you know, once a year, I see my Mormon friends, and they absolutely never bring it up. But if they were, like, imagine if every year they brought it up, and then like next year, I was like, you guys, I'm becoming a Mormon. It's like that. <laughs> That'd be so wild. The fact that, so Larry Graham was a Jehovah's Witness. Yeah, I think he became one in the mid 70s. I think uh, in, it's the same arc. It's either you, you go too hard with the drugs and alcohol and partying and you die or you find something, whatever that something is, that changes your life path. And I think with him, it was, it was the Jehovah's Je Witness. It's true. I honestly don't know a lot about Jehovah's Witnesses other than... That they come to they... the door and they want to hand you stuff. I don't know what they're witnessing. Uh, I am unfamiliar with their... And they don't let you have a birthday party. They don't want that's you... True. That's true. That's one of the... Th they're, not, they're not big on holidays or birthdays. And uh, because one of my cousins... That's right, Humpar. Humparcation. Uh, his wife was a Jehovah's Witness, and so my cousins, his, his kids were Jehovah's Witnesses. He was not. But um, but it's, it felt like a bit of a drag. No Christmas, no, no birthdays. It's the, the reason they say they don't, from what I understand, is that every day you're being reborn, every day you're witnessing Jehovah's vision. You're just the witness to which God sees everything and... If you um, right? if you put one day as special, then that's making all the other days not special. So every day is your birthday. But it doesn't <laughs> sound like they're living it like that. Right, but Mormons right. do. Mormons are so happy. Oh, in yeah. a creepy way. Well, eventually, the first happy. two days with a Mormon is a, is the best days of your life. The third day, you're like, is this a put on? And then, <laughs> but there there's there. Whenever I play Salt Lake City, I always think to myself. If the world ever ends, I want to be around Mormons because they were raised to share. And mm -hmm. you got to love that. Uh, so this is not about, about Jehovah's Witnesses, though, or the Mormons. This is about the base. What's, oh, that's right. Right. What's the brand? What's the, what's the, what's the jam? What do you love? Um, in terms of the base? Yeah. Okay, so I already went to Larry Graham, mm -hmm. talked about Sly and the Family Stone, um, the Graham Central Station. Prince, very known as a guitar player, underrated as a bass player, not very much recognized as a bass player. In fact, not a lot of footage of him on it, but there's stories and little clips here and there. But have you heard the story of Dave Grohl getting invited to go play with Prince and Dave Grohl is on the, the drums and Prince just played the bass the whole time and Dave Grohl was so blown away. He's like, he was the best bass player ever. I'd never heard anything like it. Wow. And it's just... It's just gone in the ether. He would do that a lot. A lot of the stuff he would do is just gone. Was and... was it at one of his parties? At, uh... No, it was just a private thing. Like just one day he showed up and goes like, or he sends someone to say, Prince would like to play with you. Tonight. Well, because he, because at, at his, uh, essentially his house, which has studio, Paisley Park. Yeah, Paisley Park in, outside of Minneapolis. He would, in, he would play all night and he would invite musicians and he recorded all of it, supposedly. 
Yeah, it's sitting somewhere on a shelf, hopefully it's, not it's decaying. It's next to the Ark of the Covenant, you know. I mean, it's somewhere safe. And uh, <laughs> so so we, you may one day get to hear the Dave Grohl, uh, you know, Prince noodling around on the bass. I hope so. And I hope by then I won't just be so over it because my brain will have been, it's already melted, but now like it's going to get melted so many more times. We're not even halfway through whatever all this is. Right. What is it? And yeah. uh, so what, so, okay. So what are your, do you have a favorite Sly in the Family Stone or, or Larry Graham? Graham. I wanted to go Graham Cracker. It's a music episode, Rangers. I don't know, Jack. <laughs> so <laughs> I knew that going in. I thought it would be right. more fun that Graham way. Graham Standing. I also did want to do... One I, also his, wanted, I wanted one of his Gra- albums to be called Graham Standing. And it, it might be. Oh, why wouldn't it be? Anyway, go ahead. I, I keep interrupting you because I think you're nice. Go ahead. Oh, thank you. I like that. Mm-hmm. I like... I want more of that. Bring it on. <laughs> the... The um, let's see some of my favorites. I mean, I could go on and on, but um, please do. And I with, and I with drink uh, coffee. Larry Graham, you could you could try hair. That's a good track to start with, or just look on YouTube. Just look at him give instructionals of his favorite bass lines. And someone wrote in the comments. I thought this was a perfect description of them. He said, "This man is the real deal. He sings, dances, uh, invents a new technique." And then shows you how he did it. This class act. That yeah, that's the, that is a very positive YouTube comment right there. Yeah, there's probably negative ones too, but, but not not to not to Larry. But he's he's still doing great. I mean, he's lived longer than Prince even. He's oh wow, outlasted many of his contemporaries, and always with a big smile on his face. Still goes to the the church, always dressed in white. Is uh, still bringing happily it right? married, happily married, yeah, happily married for however many years. Wife always like is with them on the road, all these things. Like, very, um, that's amazing. Very, yeah, very positive energy. Rest in peace, Brody Stevens. Yeah, but um, before we, we get too far into Larry Graham world, I wanted to ask if you knew about Weather Report, do you know about Jocko Pastorius? Um, uh, literally, I think uh, Weather Report makes me think of the Weather Underground, which was a bomb plot in Chicago. What is Weather <laughs> Report? <laughs> so Weather Report was a jazz fusion group from the 70s also. I'm starting off here in the 70s. That's Please like do. the origin of the funk bass kind of yeah. vibe of things. But um, what about Joni Mitchell? Do you like Joni Mitchell at all? I, I do enjoy Joni Mitchell. Did a dork for us about Joni Mitchell. My first question, is she still alive? She is. She is, and she's still performing and creating, so that's neat. Does she play Yeah, and funk? she had polio. She had polio when she was just a tiny kid, and she made it out of that wow. and is like 90 now. So Yeah, so did she play funk bass or slap bass? No, oh. but but she, um, she had... Uh, Jocko Pastorius collaborated with her during some stuff. And the way they were introduced is that Joni, because she writes all these weird chords and then was playing with a very strict, you know, jazz kind of guy. And he said, I'm not playing that. That's not the root of the chord. And then she says, well, it is the root if you do it the way I say it is, because that's the song I'm making. And then he says, there's this weird bass player in Florida who's doing that stuff. You'd probably like him. And so that's how she got introduced to this guy another uh, another one of my favorites who was introduced to it out of necessity because he hurt his wrist he was a drummer and he hurt his wrist because uh during a football game in high school or even before high school all the boys teamed up on him and 
piled up on him because he was too cocky and he was too good at stuff, but he was boastful and they're like, we'll show him. <laughs> so permanently broke his Ooh. his wrist so he couldn't do that anymore. The past is rough. The pa- so is now. <laughs> but the, the, the past is rough and now is rough because they're trying to bring the past back. I wish I named these episodes because the past is rough would be the name of this episode. <laughs> uh, what is, so his name was Jacko? Yeah, J-A-C-O. Okay. He would introduce himself during live performances as, My name is John Anthony Pastorius III. I'm the greatest bass player in the world. That was kind of one of his uh, lines he would tell people. And he was married to a woman named Tracy. And one time Tracy was playing one of these, uh, you know, softball games, like work with other musician things. I don't know how it got formed, but someone took notice of her and said like oh she's cute i'm gonna go talk to her and then turns out you know she's married and then she says oh i'm sorry i'm married to the greatest bass player in the world (laughs) and then the guy laughs and says okay and then eventually meets the guy and then says like oh i hear you're the best bass player in the world and then he says yep and it's like well why don't you come by sometime (laughs) show me what you got and then the first thing he plays is donna lee which is uh old charlie parker solo and plays it with the articulation of a saxophone and then this guy has never seen or heard anything like this in his whole life so that's how he got his first record deal is by saying he's the best in the world the guy calling him on his bluff and then showing him showing up Mm -hmm. that that is the thing about call i mean if you if you say you're really good if you if you could produce once you get there and musicians i think do that kind of almost more than comics do and more than a lot of other musicians tend to have to brag it up and the, and then produce more than other yeah. art forms i think unless you're like Chappelle or something because Chappelle will be like when i go out i make history <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, but the thing is is more likely it's like do you remember that bernie mack at the apollo did you ever see that so the, the, Maybe. the Apollo in Harlem is famous for booing comics off the stage. And yes. so this is from probably the 80s, like mid 80s, maybe the early 90s, late 80s. Don't know. All I know is I saw it and Bernie Mac goes up and they are they had just booed somebody off or there had been some sort of trouble. And so he goes up, he tells his first joke. It doesn't land great. And they start to mumble. And so he says, you don't scare me. And you can hear in his voice that they kind of scare him. And then he tells another joke and then he goes, you don't scare me. And it builds. And by the end of it, standing ovation, like they lose their minds. Like people are jumping on the seats and just going, say it again. And he's like, (laughs) you don't scare me. And so that, I mean, it doesn't really, that's when it happens in stand-up. It happens organically. It doesn't happen. It's weird when someone says, my stand-up is like the Mona Lisa. And you're like, you're killing me. Uh, (laughs) Because you are very talented. And yet, shh. That's an inside your head voice. So Yeah, you're supposed to say, oh, that was terrible. That tag was stupid. I hate myself. How about, thank you very much. Here's another joke. <laughs> you don't have even to even, better. You don't even have to talk about it at all. You can just say, thanks. 
<laughs> full sentence. So, um, or or Mitch Hedberg, we kind of loved how uh, how opposite of confident he was. We loved that he stared at the floor and couldn't even yeah. have his and eyes. Yeah, of course visible. that ended poorly because he had such uh, he had such issues with his self esteem that he you know ended up ODing on heroin. But oh, but which brings us to with brings us to the sad tale of Jocko too. Uh-huh. Which opposite of Larry Graham? Larry Graham is still alive, very healthy. All this uh, positive. Uh, Jocko had a very tragic tale, and he was bipolar in a time when I don't think there was even a word for it yet. You were just strange. You were just mental. Oof. You were whatever the thing was. So there was no um, real treatment for it. Maybe there was early lithium or somethings with it, but basically he uh, he kind of slowly but quickly unwinded. That doesn't make sense. Slowly but quickly. Maybe right. over the course of a few years became more and more um, uh, unraveled and it kind of fed into itself because like I said, he would say, I'm the best in the world. He was this larger than life personality where- uh, There we go. There he is. If you're, if you're watching on YouTube, you could see his beanie. Mm-hmm. He seems he seems like a, a quite a groovy dude. Truth, liberty, yeah, and good- soul- and look at uh, look at the album cover of the black and white one. That's just a self title one. It's probably under the first things Google Images pulls up. Yeah, you see just the black and white where he's looking at you. Um, I got I got that where he looks like Geronimo. Um, just look up Jocko album maybe. Okay. Um. So everyone at home, look up, or if you're yeah. driving, look up Jocko <laughs> album. Pull especially, your phone out, especially if you're driving. Yeah. Yeah. So he, uh, Joni said that, Joni Mitchell said that the first time he's, she saw that photo, he just looked like the sage, you know, monk that like has it all figured out. Like just look, it's black and white and he's like calm looking there and then meets the guy in real life. And, you know, he's wearing a, a Phillies hat. He's tall. He has the strawberry blonde hair. He's like always uh shirtless always running around like in his kind of he encompassed both of those like the wise sage but he's this wild his, man that would right yeah play play it play everything on, on the record correctly in the first take and then just throw the bass and then all right let's go play basketball let's he was always wow. he was just he was too much right and he was made of bees yeah he was made entirely of bees <laughs> and there's a great book about him that's uh I think it's the only biography there is, but like even early childhood friends of him would have stories of him being like this Mowgli character that would defy the odds, like sliding down this rocky uh stream and like surely he's going to die. The water is like two feet deep, but would magically skip like a like a stone. Like they would witness him doing these things in nature. Like, how is this kid a Mowgli? Yeah, yeah. Just right, right. Like that. Yeah, that's crazy. And so yeah, so he brought that to the instrument, and he was known to never have a case for the instrument. He had this bass that's all beat up, like every way you can think of it. It's called the bass of doom. That's what he called it. <laughs> he uh, originally wanted to play the upright bass after the drums, yeah, but uh, it was too hot and humid in Florida, and then the the upright bass just fell apart into a million pieces. Right, especially and, if you're carrying it around without a case. Yeah, yeah. That's... So he switched. To electric and there was no such thing as the fretless electric at the time but he he tore the frets out i don't know if you know the difference between the frets and the no frets no. so frets are these are these metal things that are on guitars and basses that let you stay 
within the uh, whole tone so that you uh, can't slide in between colors, basically. So there's no mix of like a red and an orange. It's like red, orange, yellow, green. This sounds like, like Guitar solid. Hero. I'm so sorry. Um, but is That's a good way of thinking of it. Yeah? Because is, is a whole tone, is that chords? Or, or, well, or chords are combinations of tones. Okay. Like I'm saying the traditional Western music for the past 700 years, like on a piano, there's 12 notes. That's why there's 12 keys. You can't go in between them. Like if you hit a C, the next key you hit is going to be a D or it's going to be a C sharp if you hit but, the black one. But you can't hit in between them. Right. But in tearing the frets off of his bass and then he poured this epoxy resin for boats <laughs> on it. And then so he made the first fretless bass where you could go in between Oh wow! Uh, the tone so that it would be more like an upright. So at the time, everyone was like, what is that sound? Where did that... Where did that come from? This is what's a good no example internet. of a, a song like that. What, um, what's it has a fretless? Yeah, a fretless. I mean, uh, anything from Jacko. his uh, catalog, the uh, Joni Mitchell "Shadows and Light" okay album, the Joni Mitchell Mingus album, the Pat Metheny "Bright Size Life" okay album. So any of that, he's playing, and he's playing on the very first, essentially fretless bass guitar. Mm -hmm. Okay. Wow. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, he would carry this thing that's all beaten up everywhere. Like sometimes after a show, if he's particularly manic, he just throws it behind the stage and you kind of wonder like, oh, there's someone there to catch it. Right. Nope, there's no one there to catch it. It just it just went somewhere. Hopefully it didn't hit someone in the head. Did you see, uh, did you see that video of Prince playing with Paul McCartney? Of and, he, and he throws it up in the sky? And you're yeah, like, still no one knows. No one knows where it went. <laughs> someone, still. someone must have been up there going catch, and uh, that I mean that was that was the only time I've ever seen Prince. I mean I don't know a lot about Prince, so isn't that crazy? And you're from Minneapolis. I wonder if that's. Well, are you from from Minneapolis no, or no, just I'm you from, lived from, in uh, outside of Milwaukee? But uh, I'm a Minneapolis comic, so that's my my home. Oh, that's why. Yeah, so that's my home. Because you've done two Prince episodes. There was like a Christopher Titus one, and there's a. Um, I think um, it wasn't Virginia. A Tim Harmston. Oh, Tim Harmston. Tim Harmston's a big Prince guy. I know this. You would have thought and, he, I wanted him to talk about the Green Bay Packers because he he had lost his mind uh, and has for the last forty odd years about the Green Bay Packers, but he was like, "No, I want to talk about Prince." And I was like, "Okay." And then uh, <laughs> and then we talked about it was nice, but oh, I know it was Virginia Jones talked about um, Bowie. So oh. I don't. It's not that I get them mixed up. I don't. I just. It's that they're of a genre. You know, they're they're essentially when I was, they were the cool bands that I should have, cool musicians that I should have been following instead of. And they were androgynous at a time when it wasn't. I mean, when it was new, you could argue that it's still not accepted, but it's like very unaccepted back then. Right, right. Very, they they like, were breaking ground. They were doing the. Yes. They were doing the Lord's work there, and it was great. And and I liked it, but I was still, for some reason, listening to my weird, you know, seventies, what is now called yacht rock. And um, what's what's that like? Eagles, Chicago, yeah, any of that. Uh, um, Fleetwood Mac, Journey. <laughs> I, Harry Chapin and Billy Joel were, and neither of those are particularly yacht rock. But uh, you know, and Billy Joel was sort of beaten out of me when I went to the East Coast a lot, because if you're ever in New York or New Jersey, they won't stop playing Billy Joel. And mm. you're like, I'm a fan, and you have to 
put it, put it down, put it down. Something else, anything else. And uh, so. Yeah, we all have our limit. Isn't that crazy? Don't you wish like, I mean, with food, that would be one thing. You can't just eat food forever because there's physical limits. But it sucks that our brain acclimates to music to where if you listen to a song two or three times in a row, it's like enough. Yeah. So didn't you just love it? Don't you want that didn't groove just, to maintain? Yeah, yeah. That, More. That's sort of weird. And then I've done a great episodes about ska and, you know, I like funk a great deal, but I don't know a lot about it, you know, because Andy, my husband, he plays mostly funk around the house and because that's his favorite kind of music, but he, and he loves Prince and he loves, he has a lot of but he also loved, I mean, we all do. We all like all different kinds of music. But but one of his favorite is funk. So I'm hoping to show him uh, the Jacko uh, Joni Mitchell. He enjoys Joni Mitchell. Oh, excellent. Which I wouldn't call, I wouldn't call uh, Jacko funk per se, but he, or not in that his style is traditional funk bass, but he had that in the groove. Like his grooves were very funky. Like Jimi Hendrix was not a funk act, but... Like listen to Dolly Dagger or something like that. It's very in the it's, the groove of it. Same with Bowie. In fact, um, George Clinton would say that he ripped off the song "We Want the Funk." You know, "We Want the Funk." Yeah, Everyone's heard "We Want sure. the Funk." He ripped it off from David Bowie's fame. He will straight up say in interviews, like, "I was listening to David Bowie's fame, and I just wanted that uh, yeah that groove, so I just changed it from fame to." We want the funk. Okay. And that's it. <laughs> so, and David Bowie listens to him tell that story and go, yeah, that's, you can have that. That's not anything. <laughs> that's, that's sort of like saying, I am also writing a joke about airline food. Fair enough. Don't sweat it. You please do. <laughs> and that's awesome. <laughs> uh, remember airline food? I haven't seen uh, it in years. Yeah. I mean, there's Biscoff cookies, but it's not enough. The when the, whenever they are, they're like, "Would you like a cookie, or would you like pretzels, or would you like nuts?" And I'm like, "Is it that weird biscotti?" And they're like, "Yeah." <laughs> and I said, "I don't want that." And <laughs> it isn't. I'll take I'll take yours. I've got the disease that makes them tolerable. <laughs> I'll do an all. They're doing almonds right now because they can't have peanuts on the plane. So. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I think almonds would take people down more. Well, it's uh maybe next year, maybe when we all become acclimated to almonds. Mm. So, but so who's next on your list? Okay, so I talked about Jocko. I talked about Prince. I talked about Larry Graham. You like the Talking Heads at all, Tina Weymouth? Uh, no, but yeah, I know that. I know the. Yes, I am familiar so, with the Talking Heads, but that is it. She's a good example of um, not necessarily the most like flashy and uh, amount of things going on, but the most memorable, infectious grooves you've ever heard. And I think pretty much all the the best Talking Head songs are as a result of her laying down that. What's her name? That foundation, Tina. Weymouth, W-E-Y, and then mouth, as in thing you scream jokes with. Right, joke hole. So Tina Weymouth is the bass player for the Talking Heads. Yes, and Tom Tom Club, which is basically Talking Heads without, what's his name, David Byrne. Okay. And they had a falling out because I think he wanted it to end and they didn't want it to end. And that whole, bands just cannot get along. Well, they're trapped in that van for so many years before they make it. That's my theory. Uh, and they all have to share yeah. hotel rooms. At least com- comedians traditionally have always gotten their own hotel rooms. So, because we're loners. And yeah, 
and we figured it out early. Yeah. Yeah. So uh so her her does she play fretless or does she play No, just regular um regular bass. You know what? I don't even remember what she has. Like I'm I'm normally good about people's gear and I can't remember what maybe it's like just a Fender Precision bass or something like that, but check out the Stop Making Sense concert of uh Talking Heads and just pay attention to her. In fact, someone even made a compilation video of the Stop Making Sense concert film, but just Tina, just parts where she is on the camera. Okay. Wow. Um, I'm trying to figure out, oh, equip, there's a, oh, you guys, there's a website called Equipboard, E-Q-I-P-B-O-A-R-D, and it will tell you what everyone's equipment is. That is what I'm going to spend the rest of my, my night doing. <laughs> right. You're like, what could it be? Uh, she has, uh, it looks like she has at least four guitars, a Fender Mustang bat bass. Mustang. That's what I was thinking. A Fender Music Master bass, a Hofner 500 slash two club bass, and a Gibson Les Paul Triumph something. Oh, interesting. I didn't know much about that one. I think the Hofner is the violin kind of shaped one that Paul McCartney has, you know, when... Does Paul McCartney play bass? He sure does. And that's another story of necessity, I think. I don't think he wanted to have that role. I think he was another guitar player like John and George. But uh, have you seen Nowhere Boy? No. Uh, What's that? It's a movie about a young John Lennon and shows um, his dynamic with his mom. Like his mom had, um, you know, uh, mental health issues and uh, lost his father an early day. And you you see where his chip on the shoulder came from, why he's such a brooding, angsty young boy. But the brilliant thing about the movie is they don't say the word Beatles in it once. It's not about the Beatles. It's about them. It's mainly, mainly about John, but how the Beatles came together and then... Uh, at the end, he's like telling his aunt, hey, I've, I've got a new band. Do you want to hear what it's called? And then she goes, no, nah, probably just all sounds the same to me. <laughs> I never even say the word Beatles. I thought that was a beautiful choice. But uh. there's this brilliant scene where uh, Paul walks in and one of his friends introduces him to John and says, uh, this is Paul. He plays too. And John says, what, with himself? Uh. Well, I do. Good for the wrist muscles. Name's John. But. <laughs> wow. There's a lot of swing and dick energy among musicians. It's nothing but. I mean, it is It is this weird thing, the guitar, when you think about it. It's this phallic yeah. symbol, but it's also got the feminine shape right? in, the, in, the body. in the body of it. And but then it's got of, that whammy uh, thing, which is a, a protru- protuberance. Uh, yeah. So, mm. Yeah, it's a lot of something. Something Freudian is going on, whether we're aware Freud of it or not. Freud would be so psyched that we were talking about <laughs> it. What uh, is there? But you said that the bass players are usually not quite as aggro. No, I, I'm putting words in your mouth. Allow me to tell you what you may or may not have said. Do it. Um, Do it. Is the lead guitarist more aggro than the bass player in a band? Probably statistically, I mean, none of this is across the board, right. but if I were to place my money on it, it's probably more the, more the showing off, looking off person in the, the singer role and the guitar role, whereas the rhythm section, the bass and the guitar are probably more concerned with like, let's let's keep this all together. And then 
they can do what they want, but we need to like make sure the bills are paid. Right, right. Back the, here. So the so like the second guitar, the bass guitar, and the drummer kind of fade back and try to. I see that they look e- at each other a lot. Those yeah, there's that, a lot of communication going on. Yeah, they're just like so we're. Are we all in the same beat? Are we all doing, what do you want to do? You want to do something fun? And yeah. so Yeah, you can change the energy of the room without people even knowing that you're the one that did it. They won't know where to look. Someone pulled something. It's very much like the role of a writer or editor. And there's like countless stories about, this might not be true, but I remember something like this. But have you heard that, you know, George Lucas's wife is the reason Star Wars was edited the way it was? Like she's responsible for that or like Feynman's wife like did this or something there's like always someone in the background that like did did some stuff that's not credited for it right right and then i feel like that's what a rhythm section kind of is they're not as credited they're not they're not as spotlighted but they're definitely and that's i mean it's true if if, like you're hanging out with somebody for 24 hours they're going to affect how you write that's why i always thought that bands when they publish the songs the whole band writes the song you know especially if they're you know performing it as it's you know coming together you know because yeah because like my jokes are different today than they were 15 years ago when i wasn't with my with andy my my fella and he uh has affected my stand up and so I'm going to say it publicly, you guys. He gets half the royalties if we split up. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so. That's Nashville rules, actually. I heard that in... Oh, yeah. I don't live in Nashville. I've never set foot in Nashville. But I know that the rules in Nashville are if you're in the room when the song is being written, you're like... <laughs> it's evenly split pie. Oh, my Even gosh. if you're just like filling up your water cup or something. Right. You're just like, can I just get in there? Get in there real yeah. quick. The Cohen <laughs> brothers are writing something. And uh, <laughs> so... And then there's the opposite, which he's, I'm sure he's, uh, I'm painting him to be more villainous than he is, but it's a good lesson of, uh, you know, it's never enough for people. But I heard recently that Paul McCartney is trying to legally get some of the Beatles catalog changed from Lennon McCartney to McCartney Lennon. And doesn't that show that just it's, it's never enough. It's never You're a yeah. billionaire. Right, he's right. dead. He's been dead for 30 years. You're yeah. doing what? You're fighting a corpse <laughs> and you're not living check to check. So seriously, this can't possibly matter. Does he have 900 children that he's trying to make all billionaires? Like, it's so weird. Only then. Only then will I allow Only this. Only then will I allow it. It's, uh, and everyone. And I'm sure. It's, you know, also his, uh, you know, his team or something yeah. doing it or yeah. things like that. But for the sake of the story, it's nice to paint it. This man still does not have enough. <laughs> it's always nice to paint the, the villainous billionaire, um, even though I am going to write that book about two billionaires who fall in love and become better people because of it. Um, <laughs> not not good people, just better people. Right, right. Oh, no. Oh, no. It's going to be based on Elon Musk and uh, J.K. Rowling. So oh, it's going to be very heteronormative. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> tab A, slot A, that's it. They're both in their 50s. So uh, <laughs> it's not going to be that exciting of a book uh, as far as I'm. the writing's going to be amazing. The story, you're going to be like, I saw this coming. So, <laughs> so okay so uh paul mccartney is it mm. is he a great bass player as well is it just fun to watch he, him? he is in that he's great in that he's very innovative and uh another left-handed guy 
interesting thinking of left-handed guitarists. Most people don't notice that. Other guitar players do because you're, when you're watching it, that mirror neuron thing, you're like, why are they holding it backwards? Yeah. Why have they always held it backwards? And, so, and then you realize they're a lefty. They're a lefty, but the, the, the strings also have to be reversed so that the, the bottom one's on the top and the top one's on the bottom. The, so- Most of the time you'd think so, but someone else I was going to bring up later, but I'm going to just bring them up now because this fits them perfectly, is this guy, Mono Neon. Okay. Um, his name is... Uh, I forget his non-stage name, but it doesn't matter. I'll just refer to him as a stage name, but... He is what's uh, at the cutting edge of what the evolution of funk bass has become in terms of today, where now he's mixing stuff with Instagram clips and is uploading videos of it. But he plays left-handed, although he's not left-handed. And for whatever reason, that's just why he picked it up and started doing it that way and then learned the wrong way. And because of that, he can do stuff that other people can't. Huh. It's uh, it's sort of like when uh, in the Princess Bride when they're fighting and they're both fighting left-handed, and what you didn't mm. know is that I'm left, I'm not left-handed, and so <laughs> and then he's like, neither am I. <laughs> so, um, is he can can Mono Neon play right-handed as well? Have you seen him play both ways? I don't know. Maybe he can't. Maybe he can't do the other way. Okay. But what he can do on the way he's set up to do it is very um, interesting. And he's one of these guys that grew up just listening to records and um, not really knowing that, okay, this is played by this instrument and this one is this, therefore I can only stay in this lane. Like when you're just hearing music, you're like, music is music. I'm holding this thing so I can do any kind of music with it. Right. (laughs) And, uh, such a quiet, he kind of channels a little bit of Prince energy in that he's got that mystique, but not, not in the same way. But for example, when interviewed, his, his questions are very short, like just yes or no. And someone asked him, like, what's the, what's the secret to happiness? He's like, I don't know, just do stuff, I guess. Oh, my gosh. So and, he's adorable. Uh, uh, yeah, the the other one was, uh, what what kind of music do you listen to normally? He's like, I don't listen to a lot of music. Uh, I like to watch a lot of pranks on YouTube. Oh my God, that's hilarious. Um, is he, wow, he is neon. It turns out mono neon, this is, this is possibly not his birth name. Is that what I'm hearing? <laughs> no, it's Dwayne, uh, Dwayne something. What is his name? That's, uh, but mono neon, he just, so... Does he only play? Look how big his hands are. Yeah, he's got big mitts. Yeah. Sometimes that helps. Oh, Dwayne Thomas Jr. Okay. There we go. So he's from Memphis, Tennessee. Played with Prince just before he died. Like he was circling and he was around that circle. Judith Hill, another very funky person. Um, Was also in that circle as well? Judith Hill? I think so. Prince had a lot of protégés and people he would he liked young um i mean old too i guess but he liked to be around youthful energy and like help people up and yeah he didn't own a cell phone just called just regular style regular just he would from his landline would call probably their cell phone and yes. and be like i wonder if he had a voice uh an answering machine you know and probably an 80s style answering machine yeah because yeah. we do uh, just because, uh, just in case, guess what? 
Nothing's going to happen. But we, we have it. There's $40 <laughs> we light on fire. And um, Wait, $40 a month yeah. for answering machine service? No, no, for, um, for, for having a landline. Oh, landline. Yeah. Okay. So landline, and then we have all of these phones dotted around the house. The house is a square, a thousand square feet. We have five phones. Um, and we only have three of them hooked up. One in our bedroom, mm. one in the living room, one in the kitchen. We only get robocalls. And, uh, all day, right? All like day. At least several times a all day. All day, all night. I and you tolerate this? Sometimes I unplug it and then go on the road. And I come back and I plug it in. And Andy's like, it was so quiet. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, one day. I'm going to get rid of Netflix DVDs and you're going to get rid of a landline and we're going to be rich. Uh, so this was his doing. <laughs> yeah. He had landline is all Andy uh, DVD. Netflix DVD is all me <laughs> for no reason, except that they didn't have Babette's feast as streaming, but have I watched Babette's feast again? I have not. So, um, I didn't even know they still did DVDs. That's actually amazing. Yeah. The stuff that isn't available on streaming, you can get on DVDs. So that's so, but cool. it's like 20 bucks a month instead of 10 or 12. Yeah. But it's physical. Yeah. And as I'm saying this, I don't have something to play it with. You'd, yeah. You would need to have a gaming device or a $35 uh, DVD player. Maybe one of my old computers has it. I hate when they, then when they phase out holes, like, you know, the aux cord, the yeah. USB, the HDMI, like we've never thought, oh, I wish this had fewer things to plug stuff in. Yeah. I want it to be all plug-inable. Yeah, yeah. Leave, leave, leave the orifices, Dell. We're, we're uh, ISIS, ASUS. All the... <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're almost at an hour, by the way. Rummy. Oh, no. Rummy. Uh, okay. I know. Yeah. Got to have I, you back. Who have I missed? Yeah, who have you missed? Did I, did I talk about Jocko's death? I, oh, yeah. yeah. The bi bipolar-ness um, of it. I mean, you can read into that fully. There's, there's countless stories of how... Um, he was he was known as just a wacky guy, which had all these stories, and that kind of the legend of him became bigger than him, I guess. So he felt pressure to always make stories and act crazy and do this to where he couldn't actually be himself. And when he died, his heart kept beating for another ten minutes, which is an old story. They would say like his rhythm was so good that even after his <laughs> his death, he still like was he's still hitting the beat. Mm-hmm. And the the main thing uh, people thought after he died was like, where did where did all that energy go? That's impossible. Like, how did that much energy then cease? And I'm just looking at this body like it had to go somewhere. That's that's unreal. Right, much like matter, uh, mm -hmm. it must have been absorbed. But maybe it was absorbed by a baby, and then that baby is going to create the next big thing in base. He does actually have twin sons that are in their 30s now, and they're both really good. One plays bass, one is drums. Oh. So it's kind of like, yeah, he split off into one yeah. that did that and one that did the other one, Felix and Julian. That's awesome. There's even a grandkid now that looks just like him. It's odd. And it's even more odd that I know this. I don't know those kids, right. but social media exists, and I'm like looking at this guy's kid who's Jocko's grandson. I'm mm -hmm. like, that looks just like a little baby Jocko. Yeah, yeah. That, and yeah, the, we know things now about... My Wikipedia page is full of information, uh, and it was set up by someone I I don't know who set it up. But I'm like, why is it you, true? Why do you know the names of my siblings and my stepmother? Okay, <laughs> <laughs> sure. I was like, well, keep it together out there. No need to be weird about it. And and everybody's been very nice. So 
I wanted to ask as uh, I remember this as being true, but does your dad give financial advice to Maria? She, he gives financial advice to anyone who will stop moving in front of him. And so I heard some advice and I was telling her, I was doing a bit about how he said, never say no without a number. And then Maria used it in the graduation speech. And then she started telling, using never say no without a number as a bit. And I was like, Hey, that I was writing a bit about that. And she was like, Oh, I'm (laughs) writing a bit about that. And so now we both have bits and she doesn't do it anymore. It was on one of the last albums, but, and and mine is on this new album, but um, never say no without a number. I mean, it's a, the great thing about it is that it's a big picture. Never say no without a number, right? Because never say no without a number, ask for a giant bag of money for something you don't want to do. And then when they say you can have a giant bag of money, my father always likes to say, you could still say no. Mm. (laughs) He's like, what do you care? You don't want to do it. But it was fun asking for 35 grand. And they said, sure. And you go, yeah, it's actually not enough. And you're like, that's kind of dicky, dad. And he goes, I know that's the fun part. And I'm like, you are a piece of work. Yep. That's business. That's business. That's how you be good at business is by being a piece of work. You watch Succession. You remember that line where he tells his kids that uh, you think world is about love. The world isn't about love. Life is about uh, a number written on a piece of paper. <laughs> it's about a it's about a fight in the mud for a knife, and wow. like throws out these lines. Of, li- like, My father used to say when we were little, "I like to think that I could drop any of you kids in the middle of the desert with a Bowie knife, and you would make it back to civilization." <laughs> and my sister Darla said to him one time, "Why would you do that to us?" And then walked away. And I was like, "Oh, that is a uh, boom." <laughs> My sister had some of the greatest lies. My grandmother once said to her, you know, there's four, there were four boys and then you were born a girl. And all I could think was now there's someone to take care of the boys. And my sister <laughs> said, you're thinking of someone else. And <laughs> is your sister someone you can, cause so many comedians, like they have a funnier sibling oh. like in real life. They don't do comedy. Is she the funnier? No, she's, the, she's smarter than I am, but uh, no, they are not funny. I'm the greatest bass player. Um, so <laughs> I'm like the Mona Lisa. So I, w- you remember, <laughs> uh, Ramin, this has been an hour and it has been a delight. Ramin Nazer, you guys, uh, is Ramin Nazer.com. N-A-Z-E-R. Ramin is spelt like Ramin, R-A-M-I-N. And yes. it's at Ramin. And mindunderpod.com. Mindunderpod is, dot com. Dot com is the podcast. And most important. And most importantly, we have a, me and Shane, we have a camp out festival coming up in September in Raleigh, North Carolina what? from September 9th through the 11th. It's going to be all sorts of uh, bands and uh, comedians and artists and scientists too, because Shane loves science he and really he actually does. has connections with scientists. So we have actual scientists like Dan Ariely and uh, Marty Hazelton and people coming to give science talks, which you've never seen anywhere. So uh, go check that and out. And that's in it's September? September 9th through 11th. Those dates are coincidental. That is coincidental because I'm in Greensboro, North Carolina at a different comedy fest. 
oh, cool. We should start a war. Right. We should start a culture war because cancel culture has gone too far and not enough people are talking about it. It turns out nobody wants you to be a dick. Uh, The world has not gone mad. Know in your hearts that the world has not not gone mad. Try to keep it sane, (laughs) at least in front of you. But do check behind you. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, Rangers, you know the rules out there. But Ramin Nazer has been our guest. Find him. Buy his stuff, watch his stuff, be happy about him because he is a delight. And um, the things right I right back at you. Oh, thanks. And the things I don't know about music can fill buildings. It turns out so there are dork forests <laughs> ahead of us. And Rangers, you know the rules out there. Take care of each other. My hat, my hat, my hat. They're dancing around my hat, <laughs> my hat, my hat, my hat. Well, what do you think of that? If it looks like a Mexican hat dance and it sounds like a Mexican hat dance, it's most likely a Mexican hat dance. So take off your hat and let's dance. Yay! Oh my God. Thank we you. Why don't we just call that as the end of the show?